0: Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I am your host, Peter Kamalafe. This is where we talk about money and all things personal finance, where we help you make... The best financial decisions possible because money is a tool. Hello, hello. Like hello. Welcome back in. to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for gracing me with your presence this Monday morning. Uh, just a heads up: this episode is a little longer than the more truncated versions episodes that you have been getting thus far this year. But with that being said, this is very much worth while listening to. Uh, my guests and I are going to be attempting to answer the question as to whether or not you should wait or buy now specifically for first-time buyers. So if you are a first-time buyer, you have friends who are first-time buyers, you have a family member, a colleague, an acquaintance who is a first-time buyer, I would really appreciate you sharing this episode with them just so that we get to reach new people and actually grow the podcast as well. Also worthwhile noting, this conversation with my guest is also available on the YouTube channel. You can actually watch us have this conversation as well. I think there's always a, a different dynamic when you get to see the Expressions on our faces talking about certain things. So I'll leave uh, a link to that in the show notes if you care to watch the video. But without further ado, I'm going to drop you in to the introduction to my amazing guest, Sam Norris.
1: Yeah, thanks, Pete. So um, my name's Sam, and I run a mortgage brokerage. To use the, uh, the, the term that most people will understand, uh, we we help a lot of. Uh, investors and developers primarily, but obviously first time buyers, home movers as well. Um, That company's called Grand Union Finance. We've been going for two and a half years now, but I myself have been a qualified broker for believe it or not, 16 years. Um, you don't look. You don't look old enough to, to, to be in the, good, in the business for sixteen years. Good. I, I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've been lucky. I've been able to to see a lot of ups, a lot of downs. You know, I, I got qualified just for a credit crunch.
0: Okay. So what? Two thousand seven, two thousand
1: eight. Yeah. Okay. So it's a really nice comparison with what's kind of going on at the moment. Not a nice comparison. That's probably the wrong word. But yeah. It's you can see some similarities and differences. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll probably cover a little bit of that today. Yeah. So how did you actually get started in? In the trade, then. Wow, Joe, <laughs> you know, I actually turned up to the wrong interview. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> did you? <laughs> That's not even a joke. <laughs> I, I got called by uh, I was in I was doing some I was doing a, a job as a researcher for a finance company in the city when I first came out of university, and I had this call from a recruiter, as you do. I've got this this trainee broker job that I think you'd be great for. Like fantastic, that sounds good. So I did a load of research on stocks and shares. And, you know, how the stock market works and what stock brokers do and turned up to uh, the interview, which as it turned out was a group interview. Didn't know that either. (laughs) In a a suit that I'm I'm certain was a little bit too big for me. Um, Yeah, I looked awful. And there there was 11 people in total. And I very quickly realized that what I was there for had nothing to do with the stock market or selling stocks or, or anything so like that. So did you just
0: go to the wrong place or did you go in, was it the right place, but you went the wrong way?
1: I went, no, I I went to exactly where I was meant to go. It just wasn't what I t- was I was led to believe it was going to be, <laughs> basically. So I had to really think on my feet very quickly. I was like, okay, actually what they're, they're talking about on this, you know, this presentation sounds pretty interesting. Um, my dad's a builder, so I've always had an interest in property and, and that sort of stuff anyway. Um, I was, you know, a typical student getting up and watching Homes Under the Hammer yeah, most days. Yeah. You know what I mean. So, so actually, when when they started talking about it, I thought I think this is a bit more me anyway. Um, and and when we got round to doing the um, the sort of one to one element of the of the interview process, I I was very very open and honest and said, look, <laughs> this is this is not what I was told it was going to be. So, can maybe we do we split it in two and I get to ask you a few, a few questions about it, and then you yeah. can have have a section to to ask me questions about it. Um, and clearly that struck a chord and they thought this yeah. guy can think of his on his feet. And out of the 11, I was the only person to get offered the job.
0: Well, that's a lesson right there, though, because you didn't just try to wing it. You were like, listen, guys, I don't know what's going on here, but I didn't <laughs> quite prepare for this. Can we do it this way? It shows yeah. a little bit of ingenuity, really. Yeah. I'm thinking outside the box, like you said.
1: I, I like, um, I, I think, and this is maybe going off on a, a bit of a tangent, but I'm a, I'm a, I am like solving problems. and mm-hmm. I'm always. And I think that's what stood me in good stead in this particular job. Um, and I think when you get used to solving problems, the speed element comes quite quicker, naturally as yeah, well. Yeah. So you yeah. can think you can think on your feet a, li- a little yeah. bit more. So I think it's a, it's a good skill to have. And yeah, for whatever reason, I, I, I did all right that day. And and now, and and that's that's how this all started. Everything that I'm now doing um, is all from the fact that I effectively went to a job interview that I wasn't, I didn't think I was meant to be going to.
0: You know what? Everyone that I speak to is like. I kind of fell into it. It was kind of a mistake. Like for me, it was like you got to go. If you don't go, we're going to take your benefit. So, yeah, just go to the interview. And I'm like, I'm never going to get a job. I owe these banks money. (laughs) Come on. And then all of a sudden,
1: but but we're in the same kind of thing. Insofar as we're both we're both financial advisors. You 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 know your your level's a little bit higher than mine, but. No one stands up when they're a kid and they say, what do you want to be when you're older? And goes, financial advisor. I then mean, you want to be a financial advisor. <laughs> yeah. That kid's going to get beaten up yeah. they, in the playground. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So, so no one does it. It's astronaut or footballer, the yeah. sort of the main ones. Yeah. Fireman, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's quite a cool one. But yeah, no one steps up and says, yeah, I want to be a, yeah. a financial advisor. So as a result, you are kind of, a lot of the time, you are going to kind of fall into these
0: kind of that's things. That's true. That's true. So yeah. how are you finding things at the moment in terms of property market? What's your view from
1: like, Doing mortgages and working in the property space at the moment do you know what, if you'd asked me even a couple of weeks ago um i would have said do you know it's all right um we're we're lucky we've got a really nice core group of of, of clients mm-hmm. um that we get on very with very well they trust us implicitly and and we we do get a lot of new inquiries on a on a weekly and daily basis so purely from a, from a, how our business is running point of view it, it's fine the big big struggle at the moment um is just the constant barrage of updates to rates criteria right. yeah. and that sort of stuff and it just it it makes our job difficult and i guess what we're trying to do to the best of our ability is to is to say to our clients look we're doing everything we can to make sure this process is as smooth as as it mm-hmm. possibly can however the likelihood of this going from where we are now to to completion without any bumps at all mm-hmm. is highly unlikely at the moment because Underwriters, I think what it is is because of all these changes, underwriters are just second guessing themselves. Mm. Underwriters are getting confused. They're asking for more information so they can make a much better, more informed decision. They can't just go on there. Well, actually, yeah, I know this this criteria off the top of my head because I've been we've been working off the same criteria for for months and months or years and years potentially. It is changing, and so it's it's becoming more clunky. That's what that's the yeah. way I'm kind of describing it. We've we've got cases at the moment that. You know, it's taking a little bit longer to try and find the right lender for clients because you're having to do that extra bit of due diligence yeah, yeah. that you wouldn't normally need to do. So it's taking that little bit longer. Then with the increased level of due diligence and, and stuff that lenders are doing, that usually means more documentation. So mm-hmm. we're spending the time getting all that, that sorted out at the beginning, which a lot of clients are sort of rolling their eyes at, but it's a necessary yeah, evil, yeah. unfortunately. And then of course, we get to the application stage and and as we say, uh, you know, there's been times over the last couple of weeks where lenders have come back and said, um, "Oh no, we don't, we don't do that anymore." It's like, well, I, I spoke to you about it last week, and you said you did. Oh well, we've changed since then. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. So I, I think what I would say to to people, whether you're a first time buyer, whether you're an investor, whatever it might be, and you need mortgages at the moment, patience mm-hmm. is is key because otherwise you're just going to get really frustrated.
0: So that's interesting because I have been saying that obviously, the outlook is we're going to be in a recession. And what typically happens then is lenders will tighten the affordability criteria because mm. they don't want to lend money to people with an increased probability of default. So what are you finding that's happening at the moment in that regard? Because they're not going to sit on their hands and be like, oh, let's, let's
1: just see what happens. Do you know what? It's, um, I think that there's lots of conflicting pressure at the moment because you've got um, you've got bodies like the FCA, mm-hmm. which are all about responsible lending, and so mm-hmm. and so they should. We're actually very lucky to have the FCA mm-hmm. in, this com- in this country. It's probably the most secure financial lending governing body anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. and we should be very, very is uh, lucky to have it. Um, but they're obviously pushing that, you know, that agenda of make make sure it's affordable, mm-hmm. do your stress testing, all that kind of stuff. You then got the government that are probably putting putting pressure on to say what well, we what well, we need, you need lending. To lend yeah, we need yeah, yeah. to lend because that's what's going to help our yeah. economy. And then we've got the banks themselves because they don't forget most banks in this country do not lend their own money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're borrowing from, from somewhere else. They've got funding lines and they have pressures there to, to, to lend you, it out. You
0: slice the money, yeah.
1: And even even last week, I was talking to to one of the senior uh, guys at one of the banks uh, that we work with and said, and and they said, look, you know. Everyone knows there's going to be a smaller pie this year. Mm-hmm. So we still need to lend money out. We need to get that money out the door. It's, it's we're losing money with it with it sitting there. So We have to get out the door, and we have to find mechanisms to do it. So you've got this massive conflict at the moment. You know, you talk about uh, the, like res- the residential side mm-hmm. of the market. We with with rising interest rates that puts a massive strain on affordability. Mm-hmm. What somebody could borrow from the same lender six months ago is no longer, is no longer a- yep. available. Yeah. Um, that's obviously having a massive impact on on the housing market. We've seen you know a lot of reports to suggest that in various different areas prices are starting to dip and we're starting to start to see that. Um, we did apparently have a, a national average increase slightly okay. in January. I think there was a bit of a a new year, sort of a boom, if you like, but um, but I can't see that as a as a as a long a long standing thing. I think it will it will continue to dip down over the course of this year. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just really really hard. I think people just need to be really realistic. Mm. I hope that banks, brokers, anyone that's giving the advice on to somebody of you know this is what you can borrow is doing it in a responsible way. I um, I posted something recently just saying you know it's up to us to be responsible as advisors to say you could potentially borrow this amount which might be 95 percent loan to value because mm-hmm. there are products available allowing you to do that yeah but do you want to put yourself in that position where you've got so little equity yeah i think that's massively dangerous and in my humble yeah. opinion i don't think 95 percent loan to value mortgages should exist
0: it's funny you say that because i had i did a live on youtube yesterday and someone asked me this same this same question and i said look it's all very one and good like for a first-time buyer, it's that having you to get on the property ladder. And that's fine in low interest rate environments. Mm-hmm. But you need to think beyond the immediacy of, okay, I'm getting on the property ladder, and you might be razor thin on your affordability. Because I think what's happened and what is happening currently is a really great example of what not to do. Mm-hmm. So you'll probably know this. People have loaded up on debt low interest right interest rates have been so low then all of a sudden we're going to have what 1.4 million fixed rate mortgages come out of their fixed rates this year and those things are going to be going from 1% to 4 5 6% And all of a sudden the affordability that was already razor thin if you've not increased your income if you haven't budgeted properly if you've not paid down part of you know overpaid your mortgage to make sure that you're borrowing less all of a sudden shock to the system mm-hmm. you can't afford the mortgage you might be at risk of default and this is all the stuff that, that we're talking about right now right and i think it's that's a really good point because yeah 95 percent is going to get you on the property ladder but what about the affordability affordability long term yeah and those conversations need to be had like what happens in three four years time after your fixed rate ends and interest rates haven't come back down let's just assume that they've increased so you need to plan for the worst case scenario
1: yeah absolutely the, everything you just mentioned there is a, is a massive massive issue um, I actually think that um, one of the big things when we when we look look back on this this year and maybe next year in the years to come, I think one of the big things that's actually going to come out of this, and this is maybe on a, a, a slightly a bit of a tangent, um, is I think I think our country's mental health is going to be is really going to take a yeah. massive hit this year because we all know as human beings we're quite fragile actually, mm-hmm. and all the pressures we've got the cost of living crisis which yeah. has you know been been a, a big thing for a, a number of months now, which I can't see really changing in the near future, mm-hmm. then suddenly we're going to have this big mortgage crisis this year where, you know, thousands, if not potentially millions of people are going to lose their home,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or they're going to be forced to move, um, you know, all the all these things. And and I think as a country, we're going to we're going to take a big mental hit. And, um, and that's what we need to be concerned about. But I think there are things that people can start doing, you know, now. The, the worst thing in the world in these situations is to just bury your head in the sand and hope, it all, hope it all goes away, because yep. it won't. Yep. And sometimes you've got to make difficult decisions. Yep. Um. I remember many, You know, when I, got, when I came out of university, my credit was terrible. Um. I was in a lot of debt. I was very stressed out, um, probably bordering on depressed, to be quite honest with you, because I just thought, what am I going to do? I'm looking at how much money I'm earning every month, and it's barely covering my expenditure. Mm-hmm. So then I have to sit at home and do nothing for a month, just to get through life. And Mm -hmm. you kind of start thinking, what's the point? Yeah, with when when things like that happen, the you know, we've already talked about the FCA and and all these kind of sort of governing bodies, they are there to help protect us. And you know, if you do have personal debt, you've got mortgage debt, you've got all these things, before things go wrong, you need to be picking up the phone, Mm -hmm. contacting these providers, and making them aware of your financial situation. There is actually a, um, you know, there, there's a there's a, a, a policy in place whereby if you if you get in touch with some of these providers and you say I can't afford it, they will they, there's a there's a process in place. They'll they'll do an affordability assessment with you. They'll look at your income there and your expenditure, and they'll work out a payment plan for you. And a lot of people will be listening to this going, yeah, but I don't want to get a payment plan. That's negative. I mm-hmm. will well, tell you what, it's a lot worse than missing payments and defaulting 100%. and being repossessed on your, on yep. your mortgage. Yeah, because all those kind of things happen. And it's a snowball effect. Yeah. I've seen in the last couple of months, actually, a few clients that have come along with me to me saying, I need to remortgage or whatever. I've looked at their credit files, and I'm saying, you've made some errors in the last couple of years. And that's having a massive, massive impact. Because as we've already said, when lenders are tightening, what's yeah. one of the things they're going to be tightening it, on? It may not
0: have happened. It might not be an issue two years ago when interest rates were low yeah. and, and borrowing was booming. But now,
1: now it's massive. It's going to be yeah. It's going to have a huge impact. So I think I think money management right now has got to be at the top of people's agendas. Yeah. Get get you know get make some spreadsheets. Know what's coming in. Know what's going out. Understand your own personal financial situation, and when you do that suddenly everything seems a little bit clearer. Mm. Um, not knowing what to do, not knowing what's going on, that's going to be the big cause of the anxiety that a lot of people are going to be feeling surrounding finances at the moment. And if you could alleviate that, yeah, it might not be that that nice an outlook. It could look pretty bleak, but at least you know and you yeah. can plan. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people need to do this year. Unfortunately, Pete, yeah. I don't think that many people are going to do it. And I think this is where the problem arises, yeah. is that... They're going to be, you know, lots of people that are going to lose their homes. There's going to be lots of people that do get into real financial distress, um, and we do have a bit of a blame culture in this country, don't yeah. we? So yeah. instantly all that will happen is, you know, all these people, this is happening to. They'll are, blame the MPs. They'll blame the MPs, government. They'll blame the banks. Yeah. And ultimately, the responsibility is on them. Yeah. Um, and it's not nice to hear, but it's the truth.
0: It is the truth, and it is it is the reality that needs to be told. I mean, because look, look, I I understand people's frustrations. But at the same time, I think that there is an expectance that the government is going to do everything for us. It's like, I'm lucky enough to live, to have lived in different countries. Like My parents are Nigerian. I stayed out there for 10 years. Trust me, you get into trouble. Nobody's coming to save you. There is no benefit system. You're on your own. And I've seen that side of the coin. So I'm like, all the stuff that's here... It's a godsend. Like, it's free. Like, Mm. yeah, you're paying taxes. Well, you might have paid taxes to get onto the benefit system. But it's still free money. Like, you should be really, really thankful for what you actually have. Because a lot of people don't have those things. Mm. And I think with this year, I certainly see huge struggles for a lot of people. Mental health, you're spot on, mate. Huge issues with mental health. Because a lot of the, the stress that people experience when it comes to mental health is... How do they cover the essentials, the rent, the mortgage, the gas, the electric? We already know that's what people are feeling squeezed on Mm -hmm. before these interest rates start to actually kick in. And I guess that leads me on to the next question. What do you think is going to happen with interest rates this year? Because the forecast is the bank rate is going to go from, what, 3.5% right now to 5.2% by Q4 2023. What do you think
1: will happen with mortgages? I... Like I, I'm actually hopeful that the, uh, the the base rate doesn't get up that high. Um, I've heard varying different viewpoints with the lowest probably being around just below sort of 4.5. Okay. Um, if it's somewhere in between, I think we can probably cope with it. If it gets beyond 5, I do think we're going to struggle a little bit because there's only so much the banks can do. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said before, banks do want to lend the money out. We are seeing that over the last, let's say, two or three Bank of England base rate rises, I think we're going to get another one early Feb. Um, Hopefully, it will only be a small one. I actually think the last meeting was really significant and really flew under the radar, the fact that there were actually some of the Monetary Policy Committee members voted to not increase the base mm-hmm. rate. That hasn't happened yet. That's the first time. So
0: I thought that was interesting, though, because the inflation number came down. But they, I, think, I think personally that they made the move by half a percent just to be seen to take action, because something had to be done. It will be interesting to see what the inflation number comes comes back out, but yeah, right. yeah, yeah.
1: I was I think maybe they're looking at it going, yeah, it is coming down, but actually, we need, we still need to continue on this path mm-hmm. to try and increase that velocity, yeah, because it actually needs to get down quite quickly, yeah. Um, so because it went up quickly, we kind of needed to get back down as quick yeah. as we possibly can. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing if it takes a little while, you know. We've seen knee-jerk reaction stuff happens off the back of quick changes, mm-hmm. and I think our market could do without that. Um, but yeah, I think I could, I could genuinely, genuinely see the Bank of England not putting the base rate up in, in February. I think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little one, like a point one, or point two,
0: yeah,
1: something, something like that. My money would be on point two five. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I could see, I could, I could see that happening. Yeah. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised if it was point five as well. So yeah. it's it's really tough at the moment. Beyond yeah. that. Who knows? Um, maybe some smaller increments will, will come about. Maybe we will have a couple of months where we don't get an increase. The positive thing, I think, from a mortgage perspective is that over the last sort of two or three months of base rate rises, what we have seen is lenders still continuing to try and decrease their their rates. yeah, but there's a reason why they're doing that. The rates are what allows them to lend, mm-hmm. uh, but either on, a, on an affordability basis from a residential point of view or a rental calculator mm-hmm. basis from a from a, um, a an investment perspective a buy to let perspective but then what they're doing is they're compensating in other ways we're seeing um, fees go up fees come up yeah, you yeah. Know, the the average fee on a buy to let for limited company right now has gone from 2 to 3% okay so that's where the changes are happening they are not it's not like they oh they they're just getting us another way they are they're, you know they they're, they're they're creating mechanisms to lend yeah which is a positive thing yeah. because if we if we have a market that's lending then that is going to have a positive impact on the on the property market. The the, the the prices probably won't come down as greatly as as we first saw. i I truly believe that we actually are going to see less of a dip than than a lot of people thought that we would. Um, and that yeah you know, that that actually creates even more opportunity. And I've been talking for ages about the idea of you know commercial to residential conversion options this year. You know, we're crying out for residential property still. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. is still a yeah, supply yeah. and demand issue. Yeah, that's going to be fueled by the fact that there is still lending. We we were we were saying a little while ago. You know, I went through the the credit crunch and the big problem we had there was there was no money. Yeah, we don't have that issue this time. Yeah. there's a lot of money. There's a lot of liquidity in our market, which should hopefully fuel growth. Yeah. And that's that's a positive. Um, so yeah, it's about finding those mechanisms to get that money out the door, and um, and yeah, hopefully. Was, it's going to be a smaller market this year everyone knows that but maybe it won't be as bad as as, as, as we first
0: thought yeah, yeah. I, I hope for the best with this really to be fair because even on the residential side my mortgage comes up in, in October and I'm mm. on a 1.49 fixed oh, rate wow. at the moment <laughs> so like shopping around when I first did some shopping around in I think it was December or so it was like 4.5% then it mm. came down to 4.44 now it's 4.31 yeah. so I'm kind of like do I buy by time to see if it comes down a little bit or do I just bite the bullet right now? But I think, you know, what would be your tips for, for first-time buyers right now? Do you think it's worthwhile waiting or do you think it's worthwhile staying in, in touch with the market and seeing how things transpire, making a decision based on what
1: happens mm. at the time? I think first and foremost, the, the big thing for me is really, really honestly think about how you're getting on the property market? Uh, because we mentioned this before. Getting on the property market, great, but you've got to stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you're on, you've got to stay there. And if you put yourself in a difficult situation, you know it could be all over. You know, very, very quickly, and you know that's going to have repercussions for years to come. Right now, I'm saying if you if you're a, a first time buyer and you do not have a 10 percent deposit, I really would advise against getting on onto the property market because all that's going to happen is you're putting yourself in a position that in a couple of years time potentially if you have a 2 year fixed rate for mm-hmm. example the your prop, the, the price of your property may well have come down and if you're on a 95% loans to value mm-hmm. mortgage you put down you had five, you had 5% equity well that that's a really tiny little margin mm-hmm. and you're putting yourself in a in a in a really difficult situation so first and foremost deposit the higher deposit you can put down right now the better because you are mitigating that risk of of going into negative equity or going into a position where it's going to be harder to get that mortgage because don't forget with every sort of percentage increment, like sort of bracket of the 5 percenters as they go up on your loan-to-value, the cost of the money goes up as mm-hmm. well. So yep. the cost of a 95% loan-to-value mortgage from an interest perspective is higher than an 85%. Yep. Yep. So obviously, that's going to make yep. a, a massive difference as well. There are loads of things that you can do to try and make things more affordable for yourselves. But again, you've got to think about it. I'm getting a lot of clients at the moment going, okay, well, what, why don't we just... Increase the, the term of our mortgage to the maximum we possibly can do—forty-year terms. Because when you're paying uh, capital and interest together, the longer the term, the less you actually end up mm-hmm. paying per month. But what but people don't realise is, the long term. you're paying so much more yeah. interest. So, yeah, I, I've, I've I've spoken to a lot of sort of first-time buyers and and sort of home movers recently. who Have reached out and 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 that's kind of the advice I'm giving is is deposits. Think about that. Don't overstretch yourself. And look, it's not a very popular viewpoint, but no one in this country has a divine right to own property. You know, it wasn't that long ago that about 17 people owned property in this country. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is a relatively new philosophy. And the only reason that people are able to buy property en masse right now is because of mortgages and the yeah. availability of borrowing. So we've got to remember that. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that the, the last probably five to 10 years of, of, of governments have, have helped... That mindset by talking about you know generation buy and all this sort of stuff, it's making people believe that owning a property somehow makes you a successful person. Not not the case at all. Um, and I really hope that that there's a switch in in mindset that renting a home is completely okay. It really is completely okay.
0: That right there is a is a definite conversation to to be had. And I I can think of um, a friend of mine actually a neighbour. They bought this house which. They still paid a lot of money for this house, but it was kind of like a work in progress. Mm. And now they're like, "We're spending so much money on this, making property. <laughs> <laughs> now mortgage rates are going up. It's like, we can't afford this now." Yeah, and literally we were, we had lunch two, three weeks ago, and they're like, "I wish I wish we just rented." Mm-hmm. Because now the financial burden and the stress stress that it's causing it's just way beyond what they ever anticipate and, and they've the just freedom. had a, they've just had a kid as well they've yeah. got a, you know two two year
1: old son when you're renting, you i mean look you, there's an argument to be had that if you if you rent a property then you're always at the, the mercy of, of the of the landlord mm-hmm. they could turn around at any point saying we're selling or, or or whatever it might be so there is that issue and I, and i've had that my that problem fairly recently within the last 5 years i've had um you know a situation where my landlord turned around and said um, you know, I'm I'm doing a renovation. It's going to take me six months, so you you've got to you've got to move out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave and literally gave us one month notice to do that, and that was very very stressful. But um, on the whole, I I think it represents a certain amount of freedom as well. At the moment, I think there's going to be a lot of change in a lot of people's lives over the next couple of years. So having that freedom to be able to say we actually need to move to a different area to get a better job, or um, we need to cut back because we're going to start a business, mm-hmm. um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And and I think that renting affords you that um that freedom a little bit more so so actually i think sometimes it's about thinking a little bit more four-dimensionally about things and it's not just about oh i really want to own my own home because then that makes me look good um or i don't want to rent because it doesn't make me look good who cares what other people think you've got to look out for yourself and you've got to make make good decisions based on what you're you're gonna have to do over the next couple of years and i think a lot of people are gonna have to Um, you know, really, really, really think about, about, uh, you know, what, how their lives are going to change over the next couple of years, because it's going to affect a lot of people.
0: 100%.
1: I would definitely agree with that. I think
0: it, in Europe, it's not the same. They rent, they're happy to rent. And I think, even from a financial planning point of view, this is where you can talk into, you know, retirement planning and thinking about retirement and what your life is going to be, be like at that point. And obviously, owning your own property gives you that that asset that you can sell down and release some funds to supplement if you haven't paid into a pension, for example.
1: Mm.
0: I think a lot of this comes back to financial education and actually informing people of, right, what does, if you don't buy property, what does that mean? Do you need to make other considerations for 20, 30 years down the line? there's a big, big gap for us to fill in the UK when it comes to that conversation. So people feel more comfortable about the choices that they make. And whether, like you, as you're saying, buying a property is actually the right thing or not. Because Mm -hmm. for some people, it may not be. For others, it might be. And it's personal finance at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. you have to make a choice that is best for you and not what your your parents or your mum or your aunts and your friends say that you should do. For me,
1: I started on this kind of journey, if you like, of Thinking about needing to understand money and finance a little bit more, um, barely recently. Bearing in mind I've been doing this job for sixteen years, it probably was only about seven or eight years ago that I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, mm-hmm. and first heard the term financial literacy. I'd never come across it before, mm-hmm. um, and I think that book was was massive for me in terms of changing the way that I thought about money, and that we need to understand it a little bit better. And since then, when I've done lots of, you know, I've researched successful people what makes them tick and one thing that i've certainly noticed is that those people that are financially very successful the fundamental the 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 foundation of it is they just understand money better than most people do Mm -hmm. but actually they probably don't understand money that much more than most people do they just understand it enough more yeah and it doesn't it doesn't take a lot and 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 again this could be a whole a whole series of of podcasts let alone just one talking about you know the changes that we probably need to make to our education system in that regard and, but when you take a, a bit of a backward step on that and think about it, in a, in a, in a wider capacity, if, and I mean, this is an, a completely unanswerable question, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if 10 years ago, um, you know, off the back of the or off the back of the, the credit crunch, um, you know, the education system in this country, the government's decided, we need to be better at, at our kids need to understand money better. Um, and that when people are more financially literate, they'll make better decisions, all that kind of stuff how much better of a of a situation would most people be in in right this now. country right now oh yeah
0: yeah, yeah. 100%. So, look, yeah,
1: uh, yeah you know rome wasn't built in a day you've got to take take the first step on these things and i think the sooner we do it the better because we are going to have another recession at some point in the future we are going to have more difficult times we're going to get through this one of course we are but in as the cycle goes around we are going to have another one yeah. and i think the more we are able to educate our younger generations about how to manage their own personal finances, the more clued up people are going to be, look, you're always going to have those that are going to get into trouble no matter what. But the more people there are, the less of a burden on the whole country that we're going to see. And I think there is actually a real responsibility of our government to implement those kind of things. And I know there's quite a number of people out there in the kind of communities that we now are sort of part of that are getting off their own back and and going into schools and doing after school talks and and that kind of stuff and you know entrepreneurs business people are taking it upon themselves to do that but really it's the responsibility of the education system to be doing it not um, you know not businessmen and, and, and entrepreneurs to to, to 100%. do it one hundred
0: percent you know I completely and absolutely agree with you on that one and um, that's going to be the age old battle and one thing I keep saying to people is you know we this isn't the first time we've been here mm. like. This is probably not going to be as bad as it was in 2007, 2008. Like, it was bad back Mm. then. Like, it was horrible. Mm. This is going to be a maybe more tepid kind of version of that. But the point is, what do we learn now? Because when this rolls around again in 10 years' time, what do we take from this instance to Mm -hmm. put ourselves in a better position then? And um, the education system has a lot to, to... it has a big role to play,
1: yeah. and
0: who knows whether the government is ever going to come round to actually fixing it properly? I hope that they would. I mean, mm. Rishi was talking about you know making mathematics um,
1: compulsory up until the age of eighteen. Well, what real good is that actually going to do? Well, do you know what? I, I, a phrase I—I'm I, pretty sure I made this up, but I, I said it, it, it does dumbfound me a little bit. And you talk about him saying about math, maths is because it's perfect, perfect on this point. Why do we come out of school and know what Pythagoras Theorem is, but don't know how to open a bank account? Yeah. So do you know what? Yeah, maths, let's do it. But let's bring into maths real life maths. Mm-hmm. Pythagoras theorem's great. Trigonometry, wonderful. You know, everyone, everyone's favorite subject, maths at school. Um, but why don't we bring real world mm-hmm. stuff into this? Yep. You know, why don't we talk about the 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 maths of finance? Yeah. You know. How does compound interest yeah. work? That's interest rates. How does still that, that maths. Work? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. still math.
0: Rule of thirty-two. How does that all exactly. What's the real world translation <sighs> of that? One hundred percent. This I is had, what they should be doing. And I had a conversation with Bobby Siegel. He's a mathematician. He's also a teacher. And we talked about the fact that you know, teachers, teachers don't know this stuff. You can't teach uh, what you don't what you don't know. So yeah. this is where you need intervention from the government to actually change mm. the curriculum for meaningful change and you know a proper program that will equip kids properly coming out of schools. It's it's nuts. It's just it's crazy that how can you not equip kids with
1: the stuff that they need to know now? But you know what? If you want, if you want a great massive analogy of or, or example of how financially illiterate this country is, how many people A win the lottery and go bankrupt yeah. a few years later. Or be and we've seen it recently. How many footballers stop playing Jermaine football? Penning.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll see- you know what the number is? Forty percent
1: of them that retire end up being broke. Forty percent. And it's because I mean, look, we we could probably have a whole thing about this particular uh, scenario as well about the what advice do these guys actually get, mm-hmm. and is it responsibility of the clubs to to, to look at them? Um The FA, yeah, yeah, exactly. Look after these these guys that have given so much um, you know, to the sport and and giving so much happiness to all the fans and all that kind of stuff. And ultimately, yeah, everyone goes, oh, but they're getting paid big bucks. But how many of them do fall on hard times afterwards because they've got no idea how to how to do this? Yeah. And yeah, he's exactly it was in the news recently about Jermaine Pennant. It's it's crazy that a yeah. player like that can can go bankrupt. Yeah. Just it's, it's if you or I had that money that's not going to happen because yeah. we know what to do what with to it. do with it yeah but we've had to learn that for ourselves yes
0: yeah. and the hard way as well it's yeah. funny actually because jermaine pennant so my agent actually knows his agent i want to try and get him onto the podcast because he has been out talking about the fact that he has adhd mm. and that has impacted how he's interacting with money and some of the decisions that he's that he's made but it's like how can you forget that you had a house somewhere in cheshire like <laughs> it's a house. <laughs> how can you possibly forget that you had a house? But it's it's crazy. And you know uh, Usain Bolt's in the news today. Million million from his investment account. Like, how does this thing? happen? I think how the thing is, is,
1: is that there's. I mean, look, there's there's two big problems when it comes to money. There's not having enough, and then there's having too much. yeah. Because when you do have too much, it becomes much harder to manage. Mm-hmm. You do then rely on other people, and when that happens, you're always. Unfortunately, setting yourself up to to be targeted, yeah. particularly if you're someone like you Usain Bolt, massive high yeah. profile, you know you, you can get targeted like this. And and but again, it all comes back to, I guess it's a little bit like running running a business. For me, that's that's a big thing I'm learning about at the moment. Two and a half years in, yeah, I know how to be a broker, uh, but do I know how to business lead a team? Yeah. Do I know how to actually run the business? Yeah. What you know, what cash flow projections yeah, are? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm finding all this quite exciting at the moment, to be quite honest with you. But I'm a massive fan of. of you don't need to be an expert in absolutely everything, but you need to understand it enough mm-hmm. to be able to call someone out on their yeah. bullshit. Yeah, and that's, I think, what people need to do. Yes, if you become wealthy and you are then relying on people to manage certain you know, parts of your portfolio or or your you know your your, your cash or whatever it might be. Is just knowing enough about what they're doing to know whether they're doing it to a decent enough standard yeah i would say some like a great example of someone that i think probably is on top of this kind of stuff is someone like alan sugar Mm. who is a very astute business person taught himself how to do that from a very early age but if you read his book you know one of the things that isn't it's not really like a big theme i don't even think he probably meant this but you can actually see he did everything you know when he was setting up amstrad and, and and all this kind of stuff he was sitting with people that were doing the accounts and working it out for himself mm-hmm. he he even was like sitting with the people that were manufacturing the goods and 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 he would know every single facet of the business and i think that set him up to be you know you know to create this 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 individual as to become as powerful mm-hmm. as he has right now from a financial point of view because i think there's very few people that he could sit in front of that are managing certain aspects of his portfolio and, and could you know do him over yeah. because he knows he knows enough. He's not the expert, but he knows enough. And I think that's what everyone should be thinking about right now is, you know, do I know how savings accounts work? No, let's educate myself a little mm-hmm. bit. Look, Google and YouTube are the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the YouTube University, as I call it, you yeah. can you can find it out. I, I did it the other day. I needed to find out how to um, how to get uh, my my Calendly account to integrate with Mailchimp. <laughs> um, I didn't know how to do that, so guess what I did? Went on YouTube, yeah. and I found it within thirty seconds. Yeah. And twenty minutes later, it was done. Yeah. So, and, so you can do that with absolutely everything. You know, how do how do I how do I how do I pay down my mortgage quicker? How do I get rid of my my debt quicker? How do I um, manage my personal finances? What money management tools should I be using? These are all questions you can just put straight into YouTube, and there will probably be a very clever person you know, talking at a camera, telling you how, yeah. how to do these things. And it's just systematic. You just do it bit by bit by bit. And it might take you a month, but you do it. And you then suddenly are much more in control of, of your accounts and your money and what's coming in, what's coming out. Um, I mean, you you were there when we were at, um, at Aaron's event. Yeah. And i got everyone in the room to stand up to try and see how many of them actually could tell me to the nearest pound what their expenditure was mm-hmm. in, the previous, in the previous month. One person mm-hmm. in 250 people, yep. Sarah, if you're listening, very well done, yep. Sarah. She was the only one in the whole room. Yep. That's crazy.
0: That's because we go about life and we just get caught up in just the normal day-to-day running of things and we just don't pay attention. And you know, I say to people, like, you, know, you don't need to know everything, but the important things you need to know, like, especially if it's impacting your mental health and your well-being, you're feeling stressed about stuff. You need to take a look at it. You need, you need to know. Mm. Like, even if you don't know the number to the pound, you need to know, right, I've got seven direct debits. These are the dates on which they go out. This is my bank balance. This is how much each of those payments are for. Do I have enough in my account to cover these seven? Yeah, that's the fundamental, like you have to know those little things. Because at the end of the day, the
1: small things add up to much, much bigger problems Mm. if you don't look after the small things. And you know what, compartmentalizing it as well is so, so massively important. I thought I was quite anal with this stuff. And I can't remember who it was I was talking to recently. (laughs) And when they went into the level of detail of how they automated and compartmentalized all their accounts, like, actually, this is really exciting for me. Um, So what I do is Obviously, I run my own business, so I pay myself. Mm-hmm. But I, I still do it as if I'm an employee. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so I pay myself. I've got literally my old old like Santander account I've had since I was like eight. <laughs> um, it's still there. Money goes in there. But then guess what? It gets filtered into several other accounts, accounts that all yeah. have things that they're there for: bills account, my joint yeah, yeah. account, you know, um, a, a a food account, a payment like a, a a social account, you know, all all this stuff. So you know that all your bills are going to get covered. Mm-hmm. You know that. Um, you know that you're going to be putting money into savings. You know that you've got money there to cover your, you know, your food and and, and just keep you alive for the month. Um, a little bit of money to to socialise with, and it's all in different accounts. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I, think I, I was talking to somebody recently, and I think they had like seventeen accounts. Um, <laughs> which he said, "Oh yeah, that, that's oh, that's I've, I've overdone it." I'm like, "Actually, no. I, I, I'm thinking I might do the same. Uh, it's really good." But. It takes again. It this is all. It takes back. away the
0: thinking. It exactly. takes away the working out. Always check out.
1: it. Yeah. Always check it. I think this is so. I, I actually got caught up in this fairly recently, a couple of years ago. Um, sometimes things just don't work, and one of my direct debits in my bills account just didn't work for some reason, um, and I didn't check it. Therefore, it went down as a mispayment. Mm-hmm. So even when you when when yeah. you when you when you know as much as we do and stuff, you can still make these yeah. errors, but you have to learn from them and and, and sort it out. And now you know I. Um, about three or four times during the week, uh, during the month, I check my bills account just to make sure everything's ticking yeah. over. Um, and then I do the same with, with all the other accounts as well. And like you say, it just takes away the thought process a little bit. And I think that that also then takes away the anxiety of it all as yeah. well. Because you know that you have money and because it's covered, you can yeah. see it. And you know that that's covered and that's yeah. covered and that's covered. Obviously, problems will will arise where you're looking at those and go, well, actually, what's coming in doesn't cover what's going out. And then obviously, there are things that you can do to to try and sort sort those things out that we've mentioned but but yeah I think just just creating that kind of structure that for me is like the the fundamental base layer of yeah. of of personal you know, money management yeah. and if you can do that you're probably in like the top 1% of the country
0: yeah that, yeah, there's
1: very, very few people that are actually doing doing it to that level, yeah. and and everyone should be doing it to that yeah.
0: level. One hundred percent. It's all about the, it's all about the basics and the fundamentals at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So this has been really, really great, Sam. How do people actually find you across socials?
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty much the same handle across everything at the Sam Norris, T H E Sam Norris, because Sam Norris was taken, so I had to just add <laughs> the at the beginning. Um, and um, yeah, I, I DM me on any any platform: Instagram, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. I follow me on on YouTube. I've got a good uh, YouTube channel with lots of tips on mortgages and finance and personal finance. Um, and of course, I also have my own podcast, The Game Alones Podcast. Um, which can be found on, on any platform. So just, just type it's that in. It's a nice ton of phrase, Game alone. I, like I like that a lot. Well, I, I, do you know, believe it or not, um, I, my hair used to be a lot longer and people used to think I look like Jon Snow. Oh, right, OK. So, so, so that's that, where it came from. So it from. sort of came from I, I'm a massive Game of Thrones fan. And then it just, it literally popped into my head one day. And I was thinking, I need to I need to steal that yeah. really quickly. And uh, you and probably need to trademark it as well. I really do need to trademark it. You do need to trademark it. <laughs> <laughs> I really do need to trademark it, yeah. <laughs> But, um, but no, thanks for, thanks for the chat, mate. Always, always a pleasure no sitting down with you. Well, we need to
0: look at a, a YouTube Live or something like that 100%, as well. hundred percent.
1: Yeah, we'll do that.
0: Cool. All right, guys, so there you go. Um, that's the episode for this week. If you did find this interesting, please do let me know. We can invite Sam back on. Um, comments in the comment section on YouTube. I will put all of the links for Sam in the comment section and in the show notes for the podcast if you listen to this audio-wise. But as always, just remember money's a tool, life is for living. It's all about the choices that we make. It's all about being smart and, you know, making sure that we covered some of the basics that, that we've spoken about here today as well. And if you haven't pre-ordered your book already, my book that is, please go do so on Amazon. The link for that is again in the show notes and in the description if you're watching on YouTube. Catch you later on.